Section 27 of Chapters on Evolution by Andrew Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 10, The Evidence from Development, Continued. 2. The Life Histories of Starfishes and Crustaceans, Part 2. Such is the course of development in the sea urchins and their allies. The chronicle in question is well adapted to supplement the important considerations advanced at the commencement of this chapter. There is strikingly seen in the development of these animals, firstly, that broad resemblance in their earliest stages which augurs for a common derivation, and which proves what their adult structure teaches that these organisms are simply so many modifications of a common plan. In each and all, the first larva gives origin to a second within itself, this second growth becoming the true and adult form, so that the first larva produces the new being, as it were, by deputy. And whilst general similarity in development thus may be taken to mean community of origin, if it has any meaning at all, there remains illustrated to us the second principle involved in the study of development at large. The differences between the early forms of these various groups are readily enough explicable on the theory that adaptation and variation, acting through undetermined laws of life, or through the influence of outward conditions, or through both of these phases, have been at work, evolving, from the common larval type, the differences of form perceptible in their present-day development as well as in their adult structure. This principle of adaptation is perhaps best illustrated by those cases of direct development seen in some species of holothurians and starfishes, etc., in which the young appear in the likeness of the parental form without undergoing a metamorphosis or series of changes. In such a case, the obliteration of these changes has probably depended upon the causes which at present we are unable to trace, the directly developed forms probably representing the later products of evolution. But it is needless to remark that, on the clear evidence afforded by the typical development of these animals generally, the theory of their common origin is in no wise affected by the elimination, here and there, of the ancestral features of the race. Perhaps the sea cucumbers and starfishes represent the most typical and least altered cycles of development, whilst the sea lilies and sea urchins present us with the results of a more modified series of changes. But, theoretically, there is little difficulty in assuming that, could we look backwards in time with definite glance, we should expect to see the origin of our sea stars and their allies in a stock which, if anything, approaches most nearly to the form of some primitive worm than to that of any other animal form. Such a primitive form is perhaps best outlined in the larva of the sea cucumber itself. Indeed, the evolution of the echinoderms from some such worm stock is one of the well-founded generalizations of modern zoology. There exist, it may be added, in the developmental history of the worms themselves, certain features which go far to support the idea of a far-back relationship with the sea urchins and their neighbors these latter forms being apparently removed very far from the worm stock as they present themselves to our view in the forms of adult and perfect existence. There is a curious marine worm named Balanoglossus, the larva of which, known as Tornaria, certainly approaches of all other known forms most nearly to the youthful starfishes, sea cucumbers, and their neighbors. 
Indeed, the young Balanoglossus has been described as intermediate between the young of echinoderms and the larval forms of mollusks to be hereafter described. Balanoglossus itself is peculiar in possessing gill slits resembling those seen in the early life of all vertebrates. There seems little reason to doubt that this curious animal is a survival of a once widely represented type, which today exhibits decline and decay, whilst preserving for us the important characters of a common ancestor of several existing groups of animals. Ranking above the sea stars in respect of generally higher organization, we find a very numerous and varied assortment of animals known as the crustacea. The etymology of this latter term might suffice to convey information respecting the typical representatives of the group, inasmuch as the presence of a hard crust or shell characterizes the higher forms, as well as many lower members of this class. Such higher forms are the crabs, lobsters, shrimps, prawns, water fleas, and their neighbors, which possess a shell, although, as even a tyro in zoology knows, the shell of the crab is a widely different structure in nature as it is in appearance from the shell of the oyster or whelk. The crab shell is periodically slipped off its body to admit of the animal's increase in size, whilst that of the mollusk, oyster, mussel, whelk, etc., is a permanent structure, attached by muscles and other organic means to the animal's body, growing steadily as bones grow in our cells and forming, therefore, a much more important item of bodily belongings than does the crustacean's covering. But apart from the nature of the shell, the crustaceans, as one may see in the jointed tail of the lobster or shrimp, are very differently planned, so to speak, from the mollusks. They are articulate or jointed animals, and naturally claim insects, centipedes, scorpions, spiders, et hoc genus omni, as their relatives and friends. Now this great crustacean class includes a very motley and varied series of beings. At its head, as we have seen, are the lobsters, crabs, shrimps, and prawns. Its middle classes are represented by the water fleas, whose name is legion, and its lower orders are the barnacles, the sea acorns, the saculinas, and a host of allied creatures which certainly present us with the best examples of degradation in the animal kingdom in that they exist, for the most part, as footless, often as mouthless, and frequently as shapeless organisms, attaching themselves to fishes and to other crustaceans, and living the low existence pertaining to the parasite, whether of higher or lower grade. There seems no wider dissimilarity, for instance, between any two animals than between the shrimp or prawn and the bag-like saculina, which attaches itself to the bodies of crabs. There is apparently a wide distinction between the structure of a crab and a water flea, and still more between a barnacle and a prawn. Yet, in the classifications of zoology, these diverse beings are ranked as members of the same class, and development, as the great criterion of classification, sanctions the arrangement. Let us endeavor to discover the grounds which warrant the assertion of such near relationship. No fitter starting point can be found than the development of the barnacle, which attached to floating wood by its fleshy peduncle or stalk, enclosed within its shelly habitation, and sweeping the waves with its set of feathery plumes or cirri, lives a life bordering nearly on the state of parasitism itself. 
from the egg of the barnacle and after the preliminary stages of development which are common in greater or less degree to the personal evolution of all animals comes forth a little creature so utterly unlike its parent that one might well feel disposed to reject the claims of the aphorism like begets like so universally expressive of the relation betwixt parent and progeny the body of the young barnacle is triangular in shape its anterior angles are protruded into horn-like processes and it possesses a mouth and digestive system a single median eye spot a forked tail and three pairs of feet or limbs in this stage it is known as a nauplius and it may be well to keep the characters of this little organism in mind since we shall find them to reappear in the progeny of animals of diverse nature from our barnacle the course of nauplius life lies in the direction of frequent molts and by and by it assumes after a special change of skin the form of the pupa barnacle it passes in other words from the days of its infancy to the days of its youth as the pupa its body is enclosed in a bivalve shell or carapace two compound eyes replace the single organ of vision of the nauplius stage the first pair of legs have become enlarged and appear as antennae or feelers provided each with a sucker whilst behind the mouth six pairs of cirri or small hair-like limbs are developed the mouth appears to become abortive in this stage in which the resemblance of the young barnacle to a water flea such as daphnia or cypris is sufficiently striking darwin remarks that in the nauplius stage the young barnacles feed actively and increase in size whilst in the second stage their function is quote, to search out their well-developed organs of sense and to reach by their active powers of swimming a proper place on which to become attached and to undergo their final metamorphosis unquote. the concluding phases in barnacle history are not difficult to trace the body of the young barnacle becomes somewhat flattened and compressed and as darwin remarks resembles in its shape a mussel shell or the water flea known as cypris the carapace or shell appears paramount in the final stages of development the limbs and body being hidden and enclosed by the shell and although jaws exist these organs are covered by integument and the organism is thus deprived of the power of nourishing itself certain remarkable glands now begin to be developed in the pupa barnacle these organs open by the so-called cement ducts in the suckers of the well-developed first pair of appendages the great feelers or antennae already mentioned the pupa in due time seeks a location and resting place and adheres to its floating log or to the side of the ship by means of its feelers thereupon the cement glands pour out their secretion which acts as a veritable marine glue defying the solvent action of the water and fastening the barnacle head downwards to the place of attachment then the compound eyes disappear leaving the future existence of the barnacle sightless the characteristic limy formations or plates seen in the shell of the adult barnacle are developed the six pairs of swimming feet become the plumes cirri or glass hand of the barnacle and by their incessant waving draw food particles into the mouth with the production of the characteristic fleshy stalk or peduncle of the full-grown form which grows from the front part of the body this curious history comes to an end barnacle growth therefore exhibits as its stages firstly a free-swimming larva or nauplius with its three pairs of legs or appendages 
then a pupa with its bivalve shell its large feelers its two eyes and its six pairs of swimming feet and finally the eyeless stalked and degraded adult stage in which to quote the words of authority a barnacle appears as a crustacean quote, fixed by its head and kicking the food into its mouth with its legs unquote. from the crustacean array we may next select an animal which whilst it resembles the barnacle in many of its features and especially in development is yet sufficiently distinct to lead towards forms presenting greater differences in the adult stage and yet exhibiting close identity in the early phases of existence such a form is the saculina a type of crustaceans of the very lowest grade which live an attached rooted and parasitic existence on fishes or on other crustaceans if a barnacle exhibits retrograde development or physiological backsliding in that it appears to be a lower and more modified form when adult than when in the pupa stage the saculina and its neighbors exhibit a still more degraded condition the organism just named exists as a sausage-like bag attached to the bodies of hermit crabs there exist no traces of a mouth or as fritz muller remarks quote, they lose all their limbs completely and appear as sausage-like sac-shaped or discoidal excrescences of their host filled with ova or eggs from the point of attachment closed tubes ramified like roots sink into the interior of the host twisting round its intestine or becoming diffused along the sac-like tubes of its liver the only manifestations of life which persist in these nonplus ultras in the series of retrogressively metamorphosed crustacea are powerful contractions of the roots and an alternate expansion and contraction of the body in consequence of which water flows into the brood cavity and is again expelled through a wide orifice unquote. now the history of the saculina development clearly proves its relationship with other crustaceans as an adult a saculina might literally be anything in the way of animal organization it is a bag filled with eggs and attached by roots to a hermit crab as such its true nature is not recognizable by any of the deductions to be drawn from the ordinary facts of animal structure development however not only shows us its descent but settles its place in the animal scale by declaring its affinities not only with the barnacles but with other crustaceans from each egg contained within the bag-like body there is developed a little free-swimming creature this embryo possesses an oval body ending in two short processes three pairs of swimming feet are developed a single eye may or may not be present but we find in the young saculina a clear and unmistakable reproduction of the nauplius of a barnacle no mouth or digestive system however exists in the youthful saculina which shortly changes into the pupa state here it closely resembles the cypris water flea whose development we shall also presently note it possesses a shell folded down at the edges so as to enclose the body the front pair of limbs as in the barnacle become modified to form organs of attachment the two remaining pairs of feet are cast off and as in the barnacle six pairs of forked swimming feet appear on the body behind while the forked tail is also a characteristic feature of the young saculina then succeeds the stage of attachment the front feet or feelers serve as means of fixation to the body of the crab host the remaining six pairs of feet are cast off the roots are developed from the feelers and the animal thus assumes the adult sac-like and degraded form 
thus Asaculina and its parasitic neighbors closely resemble barnacles up to the pupa stage. At this point, the evolution manifested in degradation of the Saculina intervenes, and the six pairs of feet, which in the barnacles are converted into the cirri or plumes, are cast aside as useless. The process of extreme modification for a life of parasitism effectually molds the remaining features of the organism in the characteristic ways of Saculina life, namely as the sausage-like sac fixed to its crab host. But there can be no question that barnacle growth and Saculina development run in strictly parallel grooves. Allusion has been made to the likeness exhibited by the pupae of the barnacle and Saculina to the perfect and adult form of those water fleas which, like Cypris and Daphnia, are familiar tenants of our fresh waters. The development of the water fleas, under which general name very diverse beings are included, is highly instructive in that it leads us to note how the community of development existing among crustacea extends its roots so as to include every group or order of that class within its limits. The cypress and its neighbors are known by their possession of a distinct bivalve shell, that is to say, a shell consisting of two pieces, united along the back by a membrane serving as a hinge. Two or three pairs of feet exist, but these creatures appear to swim chiefly by aid of the tail. Now the young cypress leaves the egg as a nopleus with three pairs of limbs. It possesses, like the barnacle nopleus, a single eye, and it appears to develop a shell likewise. The adult condition is attained in due course with the production of the bivalve shell, and the three pairs of limbs of the nopleus are converted respectively into the greater and lesser pair of antennae and into the mandibles or jaws of the adult. The other feet of the full-grown cypress are also developed in its later stages of growth, which are manifested by frequent moltings of the skin. A young cypress therefore resembles a young barnacle in its nopleus form, and in the transformation of its anterior limbs into antennae or feelers, which in the water fleas serve the purpose indicated by the latter name, or may even be used for swimming, as in the daphnia, or branched horned water flea. In the correspondence between the bivalve cypress and the pupa barnacle or pupa saculina, we may possibly discover likewise the ultimate point of divergence between these diverse groups of crustaceans. Other water fleas, such as Daphnia and Cyclops, present variations in their early history from the chronicle of cypress development. The Cyprides are perhaps the least modified of the water flea race this conclusion being supported by the greater complexity of other water fleas as well as by the course of development of the latter. The anatomical investigation of a cyclops presents us with an oval body or carapace, bearing a single eye with two pairs of feelers, big and little, with a jointed tail forked at its tip and with five pairs of swimming feet. In cyclops' development, a singular resemblance is presented to that of certain low crustaceans parasitic on fishes, and it will be instructive, therefore, to compare these early stages in both groups. The first stage in Cyclops' history repeats the now familiar nopleus with its oval body, its central eye, and its three pairs of legs. Next are developed the chest and tail regions, and six feet appear as the belongings of the latter. Then appears another pair of limbs, and the three limbs of the nopleus become the greater and lesser pairs of feelers, and the great jaws as in Cyprus. After a series of molts, the outlines of the cyclops' body begin to be apparent, 
but it is worthy of remark that beyond the stage in which the tail region with its six feet is developed those lower and parasitic crustaceans the fish lice just referred to do not pass the further history of cyclops is simply a record of molts and the growth of new joints and appendages that of the fish lice is a history of retrogression the fish lice are represented by such forms as lerniosura or chondrocanthus which latter in its maturity may be found sometimes by the dozen in the gill chamber of that ungainly fish the angler or fishing frog lophius piscatorius lerniosera presents us as an adult with a shapeless flattened body about half an inch long possessing the merest rudiments of limbs each fish louse begins life as a nauplius essentially resembling that of the cyclops water flea it develops to resemble still more thoroughly the after stages of cyclops but retrogresses therefrom and becomes modified for a parasitic life still more marked is this modification in other fish lice Actheris and lernii which resemble cyclops as closely as does lerniosura but which sooner or later become worm-like or otherwise degraded the suppositions entertained by competent authorities firstly that the fish lice and water fleas of the cyclops type have sprung from the same stock and secondly that the fish lice are simply cyclopean beings degraded by the adoption of parasitic habits are therefore fully warranted by a consideration of the plain facts presented to us in their development or once again to state a cardinal proposition of evolution the passing development of individuals repeats and reproduces with modifications the fixed and past development of the race and class end of section twenty seven chapter ten the evidence from development continued Two, the life histories of starfishes and crustaceans, part two.